The topic of today's podcast is one that may be considered sensitive to some listeners. Please take that into account before downloading and listening to this episode. Welcome to the Eskenazi Health Here For You podcast, where we go beyond the doctor's office and take a closer look at some of the programs here at Eskenazi Health that we offer our patients and the communities we serve. It's a very exciting uh, day today. My name is Brian Van Bocklin, but joining us is Blakeney Brooks with uh, Prescription for Hope, a hospital-based violence intervention program serving individuals who have sustained a violent-related injury and their families. And the program works to break the cycle of violence by empowering participants to making uh, life-saving and life-changing choices. Blakeney, uh, we'll get into what the program does, but let's start with the easy stuff. Tell us a little bit about your history with uh, Eskenazi and uh, how long you've been with us and all of that. Um, so I've been with um, Eskenazi for two years. Um, before that, I was with the health department for about 11 years. So I've been up under health and hospital for um, 12 or 13 years now. Um, so I started in um, 2019, um, with Prescription for Hope, um, just coming in as their injury prevention coordinator with their Smith Level 1 Shock Trauma Center. Um, as a Level 1 Trauma Center, um, we have to have a injury prevention um, key component, um, and so it is my responsibility to oversee that, and we do that in a couple of ways. Um, one is by overseeing our programs, Prescription for Hope and Indie Heartbeat, and the other one is fostering those um, community organization partnerships. So give us a more of a in-depth look at what your uh, task or your mission is with prescription of, of hope above me just saying it does you know what, what you know walk us through what what you actually are aiming in and and trying to do with the program um so violence injuries is a major socioeconomic and public health um, issue um, and so to combat that in 2009 prescription of hope for hope was started um, to lower that recidivism of medical and criminally um, so uh, each injury um, that we've found um, can cost upwards of $25,000. Um, and so economically, that could be pretty devastating to a family. Um, and so when they come, um, we use that uh, teachable moment to try to um, engage with them and see what it is that they need to keep them from having to come back again. Um, and so you know, we help them and their families um, with those life-changing choices. And this is mainly focused around traumatic. Uh, so is, is this a, uh, a, a violent, more violence, or just any sort of traumatic injury? So that anyone that's or? been shot, stabbed, or assaulted. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how is this uh, different than uh, meeting with a doctor or then going to a therapist after you're injured? Uh, where does where does this program how does this program stand out in that whole process? So usually when a patient is being discharged, they take care of all the physical things, but they're not looking at the psychological and the social factors that come along with that. Um, so that includes things like follow up care, finding a safe place, adequate housing, um, returning to school and work, and addressing legal issues, and managing some of those PTSD um, symptoms that they're more than likely going to have. So we help them um, try to tolerate some of that. I think uh, um, a little bit of, especially over this past year with COVID, I, I think we're in, I don't know if it's phase three, phase four, phase, is we, it, it, with this, with COVID, but we're starting to see the impact more of the, on the mental side and of the, the traumatic side, not so much of I got sick with COVID, but what it's done to society. How has COVID impacted the work of what Prescription for Hope is doing? Um, it's definitely made it tougher, um, especially uh, part of our responsibility is 
engaging with those clients, not only when they're here in the hospital, but once they leave. And so we see them every day in the hospital, but once they leave, we go to their houses and see them at least once a week. But when COVID started, it made it really difficult to gauge um, the needs. Um, it's hard to do that over the phone um, or virtually. And then there's another barrier with that. If they don't have a phone or they can't, um, and don't have transportation, you know, how do you get them out of the house to meet them in a neutral zone or talk to them face-to-face um, -face virtually? Um, so that made it really difficult. Um, we did our best of trying to navigate some of that, um, but it, it definitely made our jobs a little tougher. Well, not our jobs. It made finding out what they really needed a lot tougher yeah i would imagine it's it's not just one thing it's, no it's never one thing there's the the interesting thing about COVID is it exposed all these things that i don't know if people were just ignoring or everyone was going on with their lives not paying attention or realizing i i don't know but then everything just popped off and like all these things that we we for whatever reason we weren't aware of just became first well we were always forefront. aware of them but they were um exacerbated yes that, that, <laughs> so, thank you that is the word i was looking yeah, for. COVID yeah covid just exacerbated all the things that um we look for for those people who you know yeah. have been injured um and and so uh our violence intervention specialists did a really good job of mitigating that to the best of their ability um we're getting back into meeting personally um and being able to do those kinds of things so it's getting better um but you know so walk us through the, the process of when a prescription for hope intervention ha happens. So a, a patient is here at Eskenazi Health and then go. Like, how, how does it work from so, there? So um, usually a patient comes in through the ED. They've been shot, stabbed, or assaulted. Um, we get the same page that all the other doctors and nurses and things get when someone like that comes in and they need immediate assistance. Um, we usually try to be right there to see to gauge um, if they're able to talk to us or not. Sometimes we have to give it a couple days if they're intubated or things like that, but we usually we try to jump right on it ASAP. Um, that's usually when they're most susceptible to help. Um, and so we call that our teachable moment. Um, and so we try to jump on that right away. Um, we build that rapport with them. Um, relax them they've been in a very traumatic situation and so we don't push them too hard at first but we see them every single day and we talk to their families every single day um, until they leave um, we try to get them make sure they have health insurance um, they have a, a primary care physician before they leave they have follow-up care so if we know that they have an appointment coming we make sure they have a ride to that follow-up appointment because that's really important with recidivism is making sure that they're getting that proper care. Um, and so some of that stuff we do, even if they don't join, those are things that we do right off the bat. Um, but then once they're a part of the program, we do a, a needs assessment and find out what other of those social aspects they need help with. Um, and then we come up with a plan with them. So it's their plan or the things that they wanna accomplish and they wanna, so they own it, right? So if they own it, then they'll stick to it. And so that's the idea and we help them with all those things. It could be legal issues, it could be work issues, it could be school issues. We have some teenagers that come through and they just want to play football again, you know what I mean? So it's something as simple as that. Do you find that people are receptive to the services when you go and engage with them or do you? Or is there a pushback? It really depends or? on the person and it depends on where they are in their lives. Um, the younger the patient, we find that it's a little harder you know, once a teenager has been shot, they have this idea that they, you know, 
they made it through, so they're okay, and everything is fine, and they don't realize that. But we find that the older that they are, they realize this is not the life that I really want to be living. And so um, we have an easier time getting our older clients than our younger clients. Obviously, you know, when patients come through, we connect with them then. Is there a way to connect with Prescription for Hope, maybe after they've been discharged or anything? Like, how can someone reach out who's listening to this and say, I think this might be a great service for me? So anyone that comes into the hospital, we make sure when they leave, they have our information. So anytime in the next, it doesn't even matter. There's no statute or limitation on an injury. So they could have been shot 10 years ago or five years ago or left the ED today, and they can get in touch with us. Um, It's just a matter of giving us a phone call, 880 3547. <laughs> Sorry. 8803547 is that phone number. What's the uh the plans for the future of prescription for hope, you know, into 2022, but then you know, two years down the road, five years down the road. What are the, what are the goals for the program? That and I think that's what we're looking at now. Um, it's an evidence-based program. So we're looking at all of their there's about uh, 40 other hospital-based violence intervention programs around the country, and we are all part of this. Um, coalition. And so um, we meet up a few times a year and we talk about what's working, what's not working. Um, most recently, we enter, we have a uh, trauma therapist. And so anyone who comes to us, it didn't even have to be anybody that comes to us, anybody that needs some kind of um, trauma therapy is able to get that. We have a life coach and that's for that 18 to 24 age range because we find that they are the ones who they're not quite in a point they you know they're still living at home with mom so but they're not sure what they want to do with their lives and so um that's the hardest the hardest area to get to guide and so we have a life coach that helps with some of that stuff so um we're hoping to evolve those curriculums later on down the line Um, we're grant based so sometimes it just depends on how much money we can get to support um, these other positions that we'd like to you know incorporate into our program you mentioned being grant-based and I I sorry I didn't ask this sooner so the circle back so how, how is the program funded uh, how do the partnerships work where where is it all coming from for um, this? so uh, we get grants from VOCA which is a um, mm-hmm. for anyone who's been injured so um, trying to remember what it stands for but <laughs> so and then we CICF is another one so we get money from the city and those with those two we are able to keep our programs going um, they're smaller so we'd like to expand and um, we'd like to get other hospitals involved we'd like to get other community organizations involved um, so we just you know we're always looking for those monies and we apply for grants all the time yeah uh, about how many people do you could you guess that you've uh, engaged with uh, through the program, do you oh, have that since on top two, of your head? Since 2009, sure, or, or, <laughs> maybe, or maybe since you've been I here. Know. I know, since I've been here. Work. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I can't. We. I like that because that means it's so high. You're engaging it so is. many people. It is. Well, we do. So we we you know we get about a thousand people into our ED that has been shot, stabbed, mm-hmm. or assaulted a year, and we engage with all of those people all of the time. And so it's hard to tell you know, an exact number because people come back. So we might engage with them today and we'll see them in six months. Like, you know what, I, I remember you guys, maybe I do need some help and they'll come back. And so it's, it fluctuates, but I mean, we keep a roster of around 60 to hundred people in a year where we're actively working with and some of them stay for six months, some of them stay for two years. So is there anything else that you'd like to touch on for this? Anything that we've missed on any message for someone listening to this? 
uh, who just might find themselves in a situation where they need these services, what what message can we pass on to them? Yeah, I mean, if you find yourself that you need these services, definitely give us a call. And if we cannot help you, we will find somebody who can. We don't turn anyone away or anything like that. So if you find yourself in that situation, please give us a call. Please let us know. We'll find, I mean, we have you know really good partnerships with our community. So we will find somebody that can get you the resources that you need. And then that, that phone number again is 317-880-3547. Uh, Blakeney Brooks with Prescription for Hope. We really appreciate you coming in. Thank of course, you. you can get more information on this program and all of uh, Eskenazi Health's program at EskenaziHealth.edu. We want to thank Joe and Rachel for taking care of us as always. And uh, tune in or find all of our past episodes on SoundCloud. And of course, you can find us on all the normal social media channels uh, with Eskenazi Health. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will see See you all next time.